We go to work, and when we're off, we whine about our day. We sip our cares away, and you can do the same, cause you're in a safe place when you're whining with nurses. You are listening to Storygram Podcast Network. Hosted by Transistor.fm. Hey guys, Sarah here. Uh, before we get started with the show, I just want to let you know that uh, because of the pandemic that we're all currently living in, all of the episodes going forward um, were recorded with Zoom, so the quality of the sound is going to be different than what you normally expect. Also, we recorded these episodes ahead of time, so what you're hearing from us doesn't reflect what's currently going on in the world. Uh, who knows what's going on in the world by the time you hear these. Hopefully we're doing better and getting a grip on this crisis. Uh, anyway, hope you enjoy the show. Cheers. Why does it keep ding-donging? I don't hear a ding-dong. Other than you. (laughs) Play, enter, exit chime. I turned that off. Now I think we're good. All right. All this is gold right here. Doing amazing. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. Um, just like trying to enjoy summer the best I can with it being like post-apocalyptic or current apocalyptic, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about you? We're still in it. I yeah. was telling uh, one of my coworkers today, I was like, yeah, whenever the pandemic happened, not that it's over. <laughs> It actually needs to be clarified for sure. Right. Um, Well, I guess we should say hello to everybody. Yes. Hello, everybody. We've missed you. I'm Desi. You're listening to Why With Nurses. Oh, when I talk, it quiets you down. When I talk, it quiets you down. All right. So we can't sing together. All right. You go and then I'll go. No, I think we're good. You're welcome to Morning with Nurses. Welcome back. We've missed you all. Morning with Nurses. Morning with Nurses. That's my rendition of it. (laughs) I like it. It was very um, theatrical. It was a little more theatrical. Yeah. Even when we would do it, like, with you, me, and Kat, or and Jen, I would always like kind of cut out because I don't really know the jingle that we use. (laughs) The jingle we use? (laughs) Whatever the little (laughs) rhyme we do. (laughs) (laughs) Your hair is getting so long. I actually just got it cut. Did you really? Yeah, I I got a, uh, a real legal haircut now that things are back open. My mom was doing contraband haircuts. <laughs> I was very disappointed in her quarantine behavior. Mom, So I haven't seen you in months. What's been up? Like, let's just personal stuff. Let's recap real quick. What's been going on with you? Um. Okay. Let's see. I'm trying to even think the last time we've crossed paths, but um. In the last few months, my life's been pretty consumed by switching from the telemetry unit at the hospital to the ICU um, Mm -hmm. and just going through the orientation with that and trying to study on my own and learn as much as I can to not kill anybody, knock on wood. Um, And yeah, it's been pretty consuming just uh, adjusting to this really big change in career. Not really big change, but it feels really big because of the the culture and um, tight knit group I had on the telemetry unit. And now it's like everybody's really nice for the most part. I just feel like an island unto myself. Huh. Yeah. So it's been hard, but you know, it's what was that? That's a weird feeling, especially after you've been, yeah, with such a tight knit group for so long and then you're just kind of floating out there and I know how you feel exactly but you know what I forgot we should talk about what we're drinking too far into things what do you have over there so I'm doing uh like an oldie but a goodie my I'm drinking my brother's rosé 
Oh. Does that say social distancing on it? It does. He released a special six-pack edition um, that all, all the labels have different, like, um, COVID-19-inspired um, quotes on them. So, like, there's social distancing, there's thanks thanks to our docs, there's wash your hands, there's cheers to nurses, there's together apart, and I forget the other one. But, yeah. That is so cool. Yeah, so you can get a six-pack online, and he um, delivers it, and it's, you know what, I will admit the prior vintages of this, I liked, you know, but I felt like I needed it on like a hot day outside. Like it was a very situational wine for me. Mm-hmm. This one I could drink any time of day, anywhere. It is my new favorite. Um, it's just very drinkable. It's not so boozy like the last vintage was, um, in my opinion. Just the wine. So, yeah, just that wine taste, you know. <laughs> what about you? What are you drinking? I have not wine today. Um, I have a cocktail because I, I just I just wasn't feeling wine this evening. I wanted something really cold. It's super hot up here. Um, so Sarah, this is, it's whining. I know. Well, look, I made it a wine color. Pretty cute too. That's a nice <laughs> cute cup. It's pretty much magenta. So this is vodka um, and then flavored sparkling water. It's like a black cherry flavor. And then I added a little beet juice for color and sweetness. Looks good. Thank Sounds you. Good. Man, I would, I love cocktails. Me too. They're making a back in my life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a clink. Okay. Ready? <laughs> Perfectly timed. So. No, you so. Oh, me so. So button. <laughs> so you, you switched to the ICU I want to say I miss you, but I haven't seen you. I haven't seen anyone on the unit. So it's like, I don't even know that you're gone from our unit yet. It's been so long since I've worked. Yeah. It, I, I've miss, we've missed you. You are missed by multiple people. Aww. Very good reputation at that hospital, by the way. Aw, thanks. It's nice to be missed. I really, really miss everyone so much. And I keep getting called out for shifts and I keep feeling like, it's going to turn around because I think the travel nurses have ended their contracts. Right. So like, but the census is still fluctuating a lot, but I did pick up a shift for tomorrow. Nice. Need people. So I'm pretty sure I'm going to work it. Yeah. They've been calling me tonight, asking me to come in. Um, and people are texting me. I'm like, sorry, it's my day off. Mm-hmm. But I guess it's a, the scene's a little wild over there now. So how so? Just short-staffed, all those travelers left. And I have a funny, embarrassing story about the travel travelers. Oh, let's hear it. Oh, okay. So I, uh, as I think everybody knows, I'm single. And uh, I was on like a dating app. And one of the travelers that we had recently hired came up on my feed. And I was tipsy, out with friends, well, in with friends, um, watching a movie with a c- couple coworkers, having some wine, and I swiped like right, I think it is, right on him. And I ended up having like a, like being like, hey, good to see you, hope all's well, you know, and accidentally having a flirtatious, you know, like four text message exchange. Oh, no, gave him my number in my tipsy, drunken, like living life state. Um, and he like text and I'm like, don't, I do not mess around with anything where I work. Like you don't want to mix that, create an awkward work environment. It's a very strict rule of mine. And it, it, I learned my lesson through this yet again. Cause he like texted me like eight times. He called me one night and I, you know, I was like cordial, but very like not like sending signals of not really interested, but not being mean or anything. And then one night I'm at home and an unknown number comes up and I thought it was a telemarketer. And I pick up because I kind of like to hang up on telemarketers. It's like a, I don't know, it's kind of fun. <laughs> but it was him and he was like, hey, how are you? And I was like, hi, I'm okay. 
who's this? And he's like, oh, it's so-and-so. And I was like, oh, hi, yeah. Um, I'm watching a movie, I'll call you back. And just like panicked, panicked out of the conversation. <laughs> but then I couldn't go up to the unit for like the rest of his travel assignment because I couldn't risk an awkward interaction with him. Oh no. So but- I know that they ended two Sundays ago. Okay. <laughs> The hospital's mine again. <laughs> it's no longer a turf war. Now you can just flirt with the cute EMTs who come and pick up patients and drop off patients. And- yeah, that's it's much more fun. Much safer, you know, ships in the night scenarios. <laughs> so, and everybody was like, that I was with when I was texting him that first night was like, don't do it. And I'm like, I'm going to do it. And they all got to say, I told you so. And <laughs> laugh at my awkwardness. Oh, we should talk about that sometime. Like just relationships at work in a hospital. Um, you know, I'm sure you follow that Nurse Life RN feed on Instagram and also just like stories from places I used to work. Oh man, it's like uh, Grey's Anatomy all over the place. Oh, it totally is. Our <laughs> hospital's pretty good about... Uh, it's not so prevalent, but I have heard other stories or stories from like years ago at our hospital. Mm-hmm. They shock you. Writing that down. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, that's a good episode idea. <laughs> um, well, I'll catch you up a little bit on my life. Not that anything too much has been happening just because everyone's been indoors and like avoiding life um, as we're instructed to do. But I think the last time I saw you, it feels like it was before the new year, even maybe. It's been a long time, right? I mean, we might have seen each other in passing, like maybe. But yeah, it's been a long, long time. Yeah. So uh, give me a spiel. I want to hear updates on your mama. It'll be real brief. Okay. So starting with my mom, she's, um, I can't remember how much I've I've told in previous episodes, but she has pancreatic cancer. She's, um, not eligible for the Whipple procedure anymore because her cancer metastasized. So she just started a different regimen of chemo. Um, last week was her first one and it's not easy, but it's way more tolerable than the last one so far. So we're all just like, you know, hoping, praying that this one's going to be successful and that she'll be able to tolerate it well, you know? So that's what's going on with her. Oh, also, and um, we have a big family vacation coming up in August and I'm so excited. I I planned, or at least I initiated the planning of it and it's been so long since we've all gotten together and there's a bunch of us. So yeah, I was going to say, is it like the whole slew of siblings are coming and all the siblings, I think all the nieces and nephews are coming at least part of the time. It's, a 10 bedroom house and all the bedrooms are going to be full. There's going to be more than 20 people there. So anyway, oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah I'm stoked. Uh, it's in the outer banks on the East coast. So it's in North Carolina. Nice. Yeah. Um, other news. So probably you knew that Ryan and I weren't doing so well in months past and we both were struggling with some depression and that went on for a while. And then Ryan and I started sorting things out. We went back to this counselor that we really love. And it was like, in one day we felt this weight lifted, like, okay, thank God we're with so-and-so like this woman who knows us and she did the safe place. And she just is so nice. So that was wonderful. But I still was like, just not feeling myself. And I, I went to Virginia. I spent a lot of time there. I've been really, really angry about everything that's going on with my mom and everything that's going on in the past year in general and now COVID and how that's affecting my mom. And I got home and one day I was um, doing some yoga and Ryan had like put some stuff up. Sorry, this is going to be a little bit of a story, but it's just, it's my path to mental healing. (laughs) So... Ryan had um, been hanging up pictures in the back room bedroom where I do yoga and not all of them were hung up. Some of them were on the floor and there's this one frame that has lots of pictures of him and his mom and his family. And um, his mom and I haven't been talking since 
the wedding, basically, like we've been having a hard time. And I kept doing yoga and looking at her picture and something just came to me. Then I just realized like, I am so angry. I'm angry about all this stuff and I just need to let it go and like be appreciative for what I do have. You know, my mom is still with me. Ryan's mom loves me. She didn't do anything wrong. Um, I'm healthy. Ryan's healthy. And he's basically helping me make my dreams come true of visiting each coast, you know, getting to spend time with my family and be back here with him and, and my friends and do the work that I like here. And so anyway, those hip opener yoga classes are for real. They say that <laughs> store emotions. That was a sharp left. I was with you. And then all of a sudden I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Well, they say you store emotions in your hips and hamstrings, and I happened to be doing a hip and hamstring opener class, and looking back, I was like, is that it? <laughs> That's what did it. <laughs> wow, I gotta find me a class. I'm actually scared. I might keep my hips and leg, my quads closed. I don't want those emotions spilling out everywhere. <laughs> Let it go, Desi. Let it out. <laughs> oh my gosh. Is there like a special chakra there or something? I mean, other than the obvious one. There is. I don't know all the chakras, but there's one that's like right in your pelvis. Cheers. <laughs> yeah. My cheers sucks. It's okay. There it is. Um. Yeah. So ever since then, I've been, things have really been looking up mentally. Like nice. it just feels like a cloud is gone or something. Yeah. Isn't that wild? How like you, the weight of those feelings, like it, you're carrying them. It's like physically and mentally a burden that you feel like you're carrying and then something happens and it, it releases that pressure. And that's, it's amazing. I've had that happen with my family um, with the situation that was going on, uh, like prior six months. And, and it was like, basically very similar where it wasn't my burden to carry, but I was involved peripherally. And then there was a kind of moment like that. And it was like, Oh, it just immediately you, you feel some, some sort of relief and anything at that point. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so that's my catch-up. <laughs> yeah. So, and how are all your cats? Oh, rotten and mean and terrible, and I love them. They're cats, yeah. <laughs> ditto, ditto on my cat front, yeah. I'm getting a puppy soon. What? Yeah, yeah. What kind of puppy? A corgi. Oh, corgis. Okay, you're going to become a corgi person. Yeah, you know, I'm like... Uh, Typically, I like big dogs. Like, I tried to get a husky German Shepherd mix a couple years ago. That was a nightmare. But I like bigger dogs. But my uh, sister-in-law, whom I have the house with, has always wanted a corgi. So to get her and my brother on board, I was like, yeah, let's get a corgi. So it's happening. <laughs> Very excited. I think corgi people are, like, a special breed of people. Like, there's this guy that walks at the park that I run at all the time, and he has two corgis, one tattooed on the back of each calf. <laughs> That's a special. I thought you meant, like, act. does he bring the dogs or does he just have his calves? I don't know if it's the same two corgis. I have a feeling that those were corgis past, and now he has two more corgis. But any so corgi person I've ever met, what's that? I said ghosts of corgis past. Exactly. <laughs> but I, I think every corgi person I've ever met is like really into corgis. I think <laughs> you get into corgis, you're really into them. They must be cool dogs. I, I'm, I'm hoping. I'm very excited. I've always loved dogs and I haven't, this is the longest time in my life I've gone without having a dog in the house. So mm -hmm. that is exciting. I, I mean, with, with COVID going on, you know, it's just been like, it's been difficult, obviously, for obvious glaring reasons, right? Um, everybody's going through pretty much the same set of circumstances there. But um, it's been a nice challenge to try to find, like, ways to make, find happy moments each day, you know, in a very insular way. 
Cause usually I'm like, my life is like, all right, when's the next trip? When's the next activity? It's very rushed. I don't have time to think. And, and like, so, well, like I'm always moving and I'm not very uh, introspective. And so during all this COVID stuff, it forces your hand to deal with things that are good to deal with, but hard to deal with. Totally. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> I was last week. I realized just how low of a threshold for loneliness I have. Like, <laughs> as soon as I'm alone, I'm like, oh, cat, come over here. Like the cats, you know. I'm not. Yeah, I'm surprised at how like dependent I was on social um, interactions for happiness and fulfillment. I was like, that took a big adjustment. Yeah. So tell me about the ICU. What? How's it been and, and what's been going on over there and like, what, what do you like? And like, who do you, who do you like there? And like, who do you miss? <laughs> um, so the ICU, it's like a very natural progression from the telemetry unit we are on or we're on. Um, it's, you know, it, if anything, it, it has underlined the acuity that our unit, our telemetry unit deals with. Um, because a lot of this, patients I've had, I'm always like, well, this person would be on our unit on a, on telemetry, you know? And so, um, that's been nice because I feel well prepared for that transition. Uh, it's a lot like basically just the deep dive into hemodynamics has been like awesome to do. I really like it kind of re inspired me into the nursing field. It re, um, awoke. Is that the right version of that word yes all right <laughs> it was it i got like so nerded out on all the awesome hemodynamics and preload and afterload and contractility and inotropes and you know like pulmonary artery pressures like i just dove into that and was loving it high on knowledge and then um and then i like was sent out on my own and i'm like oh my god i'm so scared <laughs> So it's, it's been an adjustment, just figuring out things that can't be taught except in the situation, you know, uh huh. you know, I can, like, I've studied a ton. I've watched YouTube videos and done like Khan Academy stuff and cracked open like critical care textbooks, but it's still like, once you're in that situation, it's so patient specific that, um, really it's, you rely on your knowledge just to not make a mistake and everything that's a benefit is kind of like depends on the patient um, because it's so specific and there's so many factors at play with those patients that are so sick. So that's been really great, but uh, a really great challenge. Uh, the, like I said, the social aspect of it has been a hard adjustment. I'm a very, I'm a social butterfly. I had a really tight knit group um, on my prior unit ICU, just by the nature of the acuity, is very separate. Um, each nurse is focused on their own deal until shit hits the fan and then everybody's together. But throughout a, a normal shift, you know, I'm sitting at a computer watching a monitor by myself for a lot of it. What is on the monitor? All of the hemodynamic values or what? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and and it's just been, it's very separate. Everybody's super nice so far. Nobody's, it's not like a negative social atmosphere. It's just the fact that everybody has a really intense job to do that. They have to be focused. They can't wander off and get mm -hmm. distracted. So, <clears throat> um, and then the other thing, my orienter, 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 preceptor. I'm sorry, everybody. I woke up at seven today for the, uh, that's the earliest I've woken up in like four and a half years. So, so <laughs> I'm at half brain capacity right now, <laughs> but, um, my preceptor, the most incredible nurse by far I've ever been around. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. He is so unbelievably smart. Like above and beyond the smartest person in any room, but has no ego at all he's oh. the kindest nicest just little cartoon character of a person i've ever met and is a genius 
and he, he like it's so great he like walks around singing in his falsetto like random stuff to his intubated patient it's just so cute <laughs> awesome yeah so i felt very um happy to have a sorry go on oh we we're both talking go for it go for it saying i'm glad you have a good preceptor that can really make or break you know your start in a new area yeah the the one like drawback was that i started the week covid hit and so um i know this was this will be an interesting thing to talk about and hopefully we hear back from some people about this about their nursing COVID experience because mm-hmm. I know there, there were hospitals that were hard hit and like in the trenches and dealing with like super insane ratios. We have a coworker that actually was deployed to New York and was like her first day on shift. There was like 14 intubated patients and three nurses on the floor. What? So, yeah. Yeah. So like there's that side of the spectrum. And then I know there, there's the other side of the spectrum where rural, mostly rural hospitals, their census tanked because nobody was coming to the ER. Nobody, you know, like basically any high risk lifestyle, anybody was living just got condensed down to the home. So not, you can't do much damage just watching TV all day. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so our hospital happened to be one that took uh, that, hit to our census. And so being, um, on my orientation, the ICU was like easier than our telemetry unit, the patients we had up there. Oh yeah. So I, it was like, I did not get to like learn a ton in the first two and a half weeks of my orientation. Okay. Other than like the charting differences, I learned very little, um, when it comes to patient care. Um, and then finally, once we were able to start doing like heart surgeries again, they kept assigning me that. So I could at least like get exposed to the equipment and the hemodynamics. And, um, that was an emotionally rough ride. It was a patient that ended up passing. Um, and, but it was just the gnarliest. He had probably the most insane like condition, uh, decompensation I've ever seen. Like nothing went well for that guy. Mm. But it's good learning. I mean, I know that's awful to say, but yeah. Yeah. That's I see (laughs) you. And I'm still, you know, I'm very new. I'm very, I try to stay like, just have the, like a sponge. I just want to absorb still. I'm always up for critique and education, but it definitely takes its toll on my confidence and ego. Sure. I'm sure it does. Like anytime you start a new job and you're not just starting, I mean, you're in the same place of employment, but you're starting a new job and it's, yeah, you have to have all this, you know, higher level of knowledge and awareness and yeah, just be tuned in and paying attention all the time. It just seems emotionally kind of exhausting until you get in the swing of things, you know, which could take who knows how long. Like when you're a new nurse, when you're a new grad, how long does it take us to really come to work and feel like, okay, I think I can do this day, you know, like at least six months, maybe more like a year. I I wonder, like, I wonder how that'll be for you. Like when you'll get to that point where you're like, all right, I come in. I feel confident about this, you know, I handle this. Yeah. That's actually this. I mean, aside from my coworkers that I worked with on telemetry, the thing I've missed the most is going into work and being like, whatever, you know, the night brings, I can handle it. That comfortability and Mm -hmm. confidence, like, Oh, I'll never take that feeling for granted again. (laughs) I just like, I go into work. I'm like praying. I'm like doing all this superstitious stuff. I only take the stairs up because I had a really good night when I took the stairs up to the floor rather than the elevator. You're like a baseball fan now. You're like, I always wear underwear and I never wash them and get discharged as a patient. (laughs) I feel like that, man. So, um, it, like I said, it's very good for my patients. Oh, what? I was just going to ask, you said they, they've been giving you heart patients to expose you to them now. When, you know, I see the texts that they send out for ICUs, like need a heart nurse, 
you know, it seems like specifically they're asking for heart nurses. So are there some ICU nurses in our hospital that can take the fresh hearts and some that can't? And like, what's the training that you have to do? So um, you, prior to probably a year ago, they were very, um, like an exclusive thing. They didn't train many people on hearts. And then I think as our hospital started to do more hearts, um, the need for a higher availability of heart nurses came along. So they started training more nurses, experienced nurses to be heart nurses. And you have to have six, I believe it's six, orientation shifts on a fresh heart. And we're talking about fresh cabbages, right? Yeah, fresh cabbages, fresh valves. Um, some I don't know about aneurysm repairs. I don't know if that's considered like if they have to be a heart nurse for that. I haven't come across it yet. Yet, but and it definitely uh, just being like on orientation with a heart nurse on a fresh heart. It is so amazing and so intense and, and like I mean the the amount like I think of it like a formula and the amount you have to figure out what part of the formula is jacked up and try to fix it and so it's it's just the most incredible thing I've ever seen exciting it's it's really cool it's by like it like I said it it reinvigorated my love for like the the content the pathophysiology of nursing because Mm -hmm. it's it's so cool what we're able to do it's like they're just off bypass or bypass basically when they get to the ICU, right? They don't go to the, they don't go to a PACU. They just come straight from the OR to the ICU. Yeah. And so, yeah. They've just been having their blood pumped around their air, you know, ventilated for them. And now you've got to be the one to just take over like yeah. one person you're managing all that now. Right. Like, yeah. It's insane. And the patient we had ended up <clears throat> on like CRT and ECMO. Uh-huh. And so we ECMO, do ECMO at our hospital? Yeah, we do ECMO. I did not know that. Yeah, we obviously we try not to because <laughs> it means they're not doing so well. But yeah, ECMO, like, and uh, they have, it was pretty cool. They'll have a, um, so with CRT, it's two nurses to one patient because somebody has to manage the CRT. It's it's not like technically difficult, but it is just a lot of like charting and paying attention to just that machine takes enough for a whole nurse's attention. And then there's a primary nurse. And then if they're on ECMO, a perfusionist has to stay at bedside. And so there's like three nurses or two nurses and a perfusionist to one patient. And it's just like to hear, you know, when they start talking, trying to like figure out the problem, figure out the issue. It's just the cool, you know, it's like some of the greatest minds coming together. It feels like. Uh, It's making me want to like, it's making me want to learn more. You know, I love that feeling of like being excited about learning new stuff that makes sense to you and that you care about. Like, we can learn new stuff about lots of things, but if it's something that you care about. <laughs> yeah, no, it sticks. It feels so like, it's like, ah, I don't know. That That's what, you know, kind of through the hard times, I keep reminding myself, like, remember how great it felt to like be involved in that heart patient and understand those things. Like that's the goal. So the hard parts now, it'll be, get better. So. Wow. That's really exciting. I'm like, feeling your excitement and it's getting me all amped up. Yeah. <laughs> I, it, it was pretty, so had you, the, this is like, I don't know if you're allowed to answer this question, but I haven't been in the hospital very much at all over the past few months. Did you get any COVID patients or did we get COVID patients in our hospital? Uh, yeah, I think I can answer that cause we don't say the hospital. Uh, okay. So yes, I actually took care of a, Every night, but one shift off of my orientation, I took care of a, a COVID patient for like 13, 12 or 13 shifts. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was, you know, um, so with our hospital, we were very fortunate. Like I said, we did not get like a surge. Um, and so we were able to assign two nurses to one COVID patient as long as they're uh, like intubated, I think is our like our line. Mm -hmm. Um, if they're not intubated, I think it's a one-to-one. 
And so it would be one primary nurse and one runner. And, and just because like, you know, we have it quarantined off. So half of the ICU is dedicated to COVID patients. And then the other, um, further half away, like can function as a normal ICU. So the, the primary nurse wasn't allowed to leave the, the sectioned off area for the COVID patients and supplies, medications, things are all over the ICU. So the runner got things back and forth, charted mostly. And, um, so it was, uh, an interesting experience, uh, just like figuring out like how, how to safely don and doff PPE and to use the papper and to like, you know, it's, it's just like that level of paranoia and claustrophobia that you have while you're trying to take care of the patient. Huh? Wow. Yeah. We, it sounds like we really are fortunate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Meanwhile, poor New York. I mean, like 14 patients to three nurses. Oh my God. No, no, <laughs> I cannot imagine. That yeah. sounds like a nightmare. Yeah, sounds terrifying. Yeah. Um, wow. Well, that's really cool that you got to to take care of a COVID patient. Did you feel like, um, well, you said you felt paranoid. I don't know. I just like thinking about, I had one rule out patient who most definitely didn't have, like, it was pretty obvious the day that I took care of him that he didn't have it, but I felt like this higher level of awareness of like, Ooh, how are things contaminated? What am I touching? And like, you know, yeah. for the first shift I had with him, I was like just a g- total germaphobe. Like I've never been in my life. Like I'm clean and aware, but my hands were raw from washing them by the end of that shift. And, um, the patient we had, it was, I felt like super proud because, uh, it was, she was pretty bad off. I mean, she came to us and within like two hours got intubated and this was before, you know, it was realized by the medical community that you want to postpone intubation as long as possible with COVID patients. Cause they can hang out decently safe in like the high seventies and eighties oxygen wise and be okay. So she was intubated for like 16 days. Yeah. And we were, um, you know, finally able and, you know, like we were happy if her respiratory rate was below 45, even on the vent, like she was breathing over it, like that. Yeah. So it just like the normal, like the goal, they were also skewed. And so anyway, she, uh, she ended up being extubated, put on high flow for a couple, maybe a day and a half or two, and then on just nasal cannula. And she was, we, she was discharged to a nursing home and doing, you know, like she's going to be okay. Oh no. Technical difficulties. Can you hear me? That's, that's freaking, um, what what happened what's happening i can hear you are we okay i mean i can hear you now desi we're good we're good, we're good. <laughs> was that too much too loud i'm trying to i'm just looking at my notes here too um anyway uh sorry just looking back and seeing what i want to talk about next yeah that's that's pretty cool that she got to be discharged and made it out of there alive. That's yeah. hopeful. <sighs> what do you think is going to happen next with like the COVID? Now that we're talking about COVID, what do you think is going to happen next? Um, I think that the the like social urgency and social consciousness of it will diminish a lot. People you know, the, the media storm of it has ended and people are going to loosen up their lifestyles. And with that will come spikes here and there, but we were so saturated, hypersaturated with headlines and numbers and fear for, you know, two months about that. I think people are tired of it. And so it won't be, 
at least in America, I feel like it'll just be like the flu. Nobody's really talks about the flu each year, but it can still kill like 80,000 people, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it'll just be part of our healthcare system now until there's a, an established vaccine for it. Yeah. You know, but- kind of like strokes, strokes affect tons and tons and tons of people, but we don't talk about it on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. What about you? Um, What's your prediction? I feel like people keep asking me, like, did we overreact? Or, like, what do you think, you know, was this all blown out of proportion? Or what do you think is going to happen next? And I feel more like I don't think we overreacted, at least in California. I think we reacted appropriately. And it paid off. And, I mean, we did have, you know, a lot of cases and we had deaths. It wasn't like we kept it at zero, (laughs) but I I feel like we were successful at not having a surge in a lot of the areas. And, um, I, I think that, yeah, some people are relaxing a lot. And then I also see, I don't know, maybe half of my friends and just like close acquaintances that are still really afraid to interact with people and might carry some of these practices for a long time. You know, they question like, how should I go about doing this? Should I really make a doctor's appointment about that? You know, for that, is it really that urgent? Should I even go out? You know? And so I don't know. I feel like it's kind of split. Some people are just ready to get out there in the world and be, in, you know, again, just exist. And then a lot of people are still paranoid. Absolutely. I, uh, I definitely agree with you about the fact that I don't think we overreacted at all. Like, I think like, uh, it like just seeing what it had the capability of doing like you can read cases where it's like a 27 year old marathon runner who gets it and ends up dying like it is so variable the severity of it and mm-hmm. we don't understand it like basically we understand it like maybe 0.5 percent the pathophysiology i was trying to read up on it and I, even what we knew of it was so confusing to me Mm-hmm. And so I don't think we overreacted. I think, you know, somebody, there was, somebody said it during the hype of it. Like if, if we did our jobs right, it'll feel like we overreacted. Yeah. I was just thinking the same thing. And so, um, what was I going to say? I totally lost my train of thought. It's okay. Yeah. I'm <laughs> you. I mean, I, I, same thing like that if if we yeah if we do things right it'll feel like it was an overreaction and you'll never know looking back on it you'll never be able to tell and that's good that's good for us ultimately like yeah we don't want to be like you know the bubonic plague where you look back and be like wish we would have known more done more I don't know that much plague I don't know what they did know and did but whatever you know what I'm saying for sure you know it or like the Spanish flu something like that, where it's like killed like 8 million. I don't know. I don't know numbers, but it killed a ton of people, you know? And if we knew how germs worked back then, I don't know. Never mind. I don't know history at all, obviously. <laughs> this is not an educational podcast. No, it's not. <laughs> talking. Re-entering into like life. It's very confusing because for what two and a half months it was like, here are the rules, follow them, and now it's like, well, here are some suggestions. Please yeah. try to follow them, and it's like, okay, well, you know, like I think about at the end of summer when kids go back to school, like, what is that going to look like? Yeah, are they going to go back to school? And like, what about universities where people go to school and live together, and like, are you know, are in dorms, tight rooms? And then they go around and, you know, university students, they give each other mono. And anyway, what's going to happen there with the COVID situation (laughs) and all the making out and the sexing? Yes. The penis and vagina. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, let me ask you this. So I was having a debate with some friends about uh, if they came out with a vaccine next year, mm-hmm. would you get it? Oh, I've been thinking about this. I 
don't know. I am, I'm like, you know, vaccines, I believe in them. I'm not an anti-vaxxer, but I don't think I'd get it the first year. How come? Like given for me personally, it's not like I'm suggesting this for other people, but like I'm, I have a healthy immune system, no comorbidities. I'm like younger. I theoretically, even if I contracted it, I should survive it. But Mm -hmm. like a rushed vaccine that's under tested. Right. (laughs) It does seem a little, it does seem risky. I think for each person, it would be like a a risk analysis for their own. Yeah. Like you would take a calculated risk or not. Yeah. Because most vaccines take years to develop and we're just, yeah, it does feel rushed. Um, I'm another factor for me, which is very lame is that I don't like needles typically prohibits me from getting a flu shot each year. What? The only reason I get flu shots lately is because either my employer requires it or somebody that I know has had a baby and they won't let me hold the baby unless I have a flu shot. It's not that I don't believe in being a vaccine. That's terrible. Listen, it's not an advice podcast. It's not educational. And it's not advice. We cannot be held <laughs> responsible for anything anybody else does. That is illegally out of our reach. Okay. Well, before we say anything else that uh, could get us into trouble, um, do you want to talk about something that has personally sucked for you with COVID? Like outside of being a nurse? <laughs> Yes, like a personal thing. And it can be like as whiny and indulgent as you want it to be. Um, my dating life took a real bad hit. Really? Yeah. I On had Zoom dates. Say what? <laughs> a Zoom date? Uh-huh. With you, baby. Uh, hey. Oh, <laughs> no. Um, so I had gone out with, on a first date with a gentleman a guy um the day the nba shut down so that was a very memorable memorable day for me because i'm a huge nba fan (laughs) um i don't remember the exact date it was early on in the covid craziness so and then it was like we had a decent first day and a good connection and then it was just like well sorry you know and that particular person i think really stuck to the rules too. And so wasn't like willing to wiggle at all. And I was like, I should be responsible as a healthcare professional and not mess with the rules. So we like tried to keep in touch and talk and talk on the phone. It was a very, it was like almost a social experiment that was a total failure because mostly I just felt like I had to deal with all the bad aspects of a relationship. You know, I was like immediately turned into like a nagging whiny girlfriend when we had just gone out on one date and we had none of the benefits of like being in a relationship. I was just like, yeah, he hasn't texted me back in like two and a half days. So I think it's over. And then a day later I'm like, yeah, we're pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) It was awful. And when you're alone thinking about all this, like you have no like outside influence and perspective to gain. And so you're just crazy. And I became, (laughs) (laughs) but I seem all right. I'm okay. I've since gone out with a, you know, that fizzled out. It didn't survive COVID at all. I've since gone out with a different guy in a socially distant date. We played a a game in the park and that felt, I was like, okay, well, I've still got some game left. (laughs) I don't know. Having a game in the park, you've got some yeah, game left. I didn't mean to do that. I'm just naturally that funny. <laughs> um, I think the thing that I want to complain about or whine about with COVID oh, lately is like all, all in. All in. It's like, it, it's kind of dumb. Like so many people that I know have been doing all of these home improvement projects or just 
accomplishing things that they've been meaning to do for a long time. And now they're working from home or they have a lot of time at home because they don't have a job or whatever. And I've had a lot of time at home, even though I have four jobs now, um, I've been having a lot of time at home. <laughs> Rewind on that a little bit. <laughs> Let me tell you what my four jobs are real quick. The hospital that we work out together, work at together, the doctor's office that I work with Kat at, uh, raft guiding, which has started back up for the season, and then a fourth job at a hospital in Virginia now that I have. So even with all of those jobs, I've been spending a lot of time at home, but on the days that I get put on call from the hospital that we work at, I cannot motivate myself to do anything that I'm like, could be doing. I'm not doing anything. And I feel so guilty about it. I mean, like how long I had all this time? I just didn't feel like it. I didn't do anything. I have guilt about it. I understand that completely. Like, even though you feel so crappy about yourself, not doing anything, you're like, well, I can't get off the couch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I've taken up, um, Scrabble go on my phone and like, obsessively play it and just try and kick Ryan's butt every day. That's, you know, and my mom's on it now. So I'm just really on Scrabble go all the time. It's, it's pretty pathetic. Uh, are you <laughs> um, I'm learning new words, by the way, everything's a word. You just put two letters together. That's a word. They don't even have to have a vowel in there. You can put two consonants together. Sometimes it's a word. No. Yeah, I know. The Scrabble Go rules are not great. I like playing regular Scrabble better because you have to, like, come up with a word on your own and know how to spell it correctly. Um, anyway. Which is why I'm – I will not play it. I'm atrocious. I, it's the <laughs> one game I will absolutely not play. Not even try. No. <laughs> can't spell I have a decent vocabulary but I cannot spell even sometimes oh. when I'm texting I start to spell the word of O-V-E and I'm like why isn't this why do is this underlined know too many languages like do you know a little bit too much about various languages like this is how they would spell it in this language <laughs> I wish <laughs> not a, no I'm just like nearly illiterate <laughs> you would never be able to tell just talking to you. Um, what about, have there been any um, silver linings from COVID? Like anything that's, you know, that's been positive for you through all the two things and only two. No. Um, the first, I think it like kind of brought the public's attention mm -hmm. to healthcare workers, um, which I don't like. I didn't like being like self-indulgent with it and like, Oh, I'm a martyr. I'm going, you know, cause it, a, our hospital was barely oh. affected by it and B it's just not a good look. Um, but I do like the fact that, um, it's in the public mm -hmm. mindset of, you know, like what we might be exposed to and what we might have to do despite that exposure. Um, and then the second thing, yeah, I think it's been really good for me to calm down. Like I said, like for the last four years, I've lived my life, like basically work and trips and vacations and which is a great way to live. I don't want to sound like ungrateful for that because that's two very good things, but uh, it's been good for me, even though it's uncomfortable to slow down and like think about things in my life answer hard questions, work on me a little bit, um, even though it makes me uncomfortable and anxious, eventually it yields growth. So that's been like, uh, it forced me to mm -hmm. buy, try some self growth. Totally. I, I've been appreciating that too. Like the slower pace, I don't travel nearly as much as you do, but just doing too many things, just got my hand in too many different pots. What's an expression? I'm spreading myself too thin. <laughs> I've got my hand in every pot. Too many cookie jars. <laughs> um, but I do have another thing that I'm really appreciative of, and it's not completely, it's kind of COVID related. 
So when I was back in Virginia and I was staying at my mom's house and I was trying to limo and she's immunocompromised. And so I wanted wine and there's not that many great places in the immediate area to buy wine. So Costco is the best bet. And my family members coordinated picking me up wine from Costco and dropping it off at my mom's house. So nice. Oh, how sweet. They're like, she needs it. <laughs> my siblings are the best. They were like, here, just give Sarah this and she'll shut up. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> yeah, that was really nice of them. Thanks, yeah. you guys, who you are. You know who you are. <laughs> Thank you, guys, because I much I enjoy you a lot when you're a little uh, wind up, too. So. <laughs> Anything else? Uh, I think I think that's all I have to say. Yeah, it, this has been. I'm glad we. You know, I've really missed the podcast. I, you know, you never know how much you like something until you're not doing it, which is terrible. But I was like, oh my gosh, I miss those girls so much, and I miss the like the cathartic experience of just being able to unabashedly indulge in our self indulgence. So yes. I, I'm excited <laughs> if we can get this rolling again. I've got some episode ideas. Um, plus, who doesn't like just drinking wine? Heck yeah. Let's keep it going. Um, if any of you guys out there want to tell us your stories, ask us questions. I, I really would like to hear from a nurse who's working or has worked in one of the hard hit areas. I know it's... Um, probably a lot to talk about, but if anyone's willing to talk about it and just give the world, you know, a glimpse into the, a day in the life, I'd be really interested to hear that. So a lot of other people. So write to us at www.nurses at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook at whining W nurses and Instagram. Why do we have three different things? That's just how it worked out. <laughs> Are they all different names? They're all different. <laughs> Listen, just to make it super tricky and confusing for you all, pay attention. We're weeding out the week. <laughs> this is nursing school for the public. <laughs> but don't listen to anything we say or take it as advice. <laughs> all right. Catch you guys later. Cheers. Cheers. short teasers are excerpts from comedian Aiden Park's book, The Art of Being Yay. Think self-empowerment with a comedic twist. These are tough times we're all going through. Who couldn't use a little mental health wellness and laughter? For more of The Art of Being Yay, visit AidenPark.com. That's A-I-D-A-N-P-A-R-K.com. Sponsored by The Laugh Cellar and Storygram Podcast Network. When I lost him, I was like, hey, like, nothing matters. I don't care. Comedy career. Why? I'm losing 10 pounds? Who cares? I don't care. I really don't care. I got so depressed. I got suicidal. I was serious. I went shopping for a gun. And you guys, I actually found the gun like, that I could buy in person for $300. And then I found the gun online for $70. And I thought to myself, oh, my God. How is it that someone can just buy a gun online for $70? When in person, it's like $300. Oh my God, what a freaking ripoff. That's when I came to the realization that, oh my God, I am so cheap. I am bargain hunting for my suicide weapon. I mean, it's not even that I wanted to, you know, save money. It's just like, I didn't want anybody to think I was an idiot. Like, I may be suicidal, but I'm a smart shopper. But it's like so stupid because, you know, if there was ever a time to put something on a credit card, that would have been it. I understand you're not really supposed to make suicide jokes, but I say these things to say that, yes, I have been there. And after I've been through it, there is some humor in it. Another reason why I like to talk about suicide very openly is because in this society, we're not allowed to talk about things like that. And so what a lot of people do is they'll feel that, they'll feel suicidal, and then they won't talk about it. They'll just shove it down, shove it down, shove it down, because they don't want to interrupt anybody's day. And then it feels worse and worse and festers and festers, and then there's shame around what they're feeling. And shame 
you know, is the great negative emotion exponential later. (laughs) Great negative emotion multiplier. So if you feel any emotion and then you add shame to it, it'll multiply that negative emotion by 10 times, 20 times, 30 times. So better to get it out in the open and destigmatize the topic of suicide. Suicidal? Talk about it. Let's talk about it. Whatever you're feeling, there's nothing wrong with you. You know, there's nothing wrong with you. Do not be suffering alone. Do not be ashamed by yourself. Let it out. Share it with somebody.